Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Hello. Hi. My name's Dave. And my name's Jim. And I am the unhippest person on the planet. And I just uh-huh. want to start right off by saying Don't be I such am. a dad rocker. I So please explain to me something. Because when I see the word dad, okay, first of all, I'm a dad. I've been a dad for 23 years, which is not as long as a lot of my peers who were dads 10 years before me. So I've got to ask this question because it begs the question. I see dad rocker, the word dad in it, and I see an ageist comment. I see people who are saying, you're old. You don't understand. You're too old. And I'm reminded of... Um, Jim, you are old. Well, I'm reminded of a South Park episode. <laughs> and like I'd never be reminded of a South Park episode. Yeah. Right? Right. Where, well, it's almost <laughs> as old as I am. Oh! Well, there was a there was a guitar pod. Or I mean, a, um, a, a South Park episode. I won't name the the name of it because it could be considered that we were um, using a word that wasn't PC. So I'm just not going to do it. But you can look it up. Where Randy, um, they had Guitar Hero and the kids were playing Guitar Hero. And Randy comes downstairs and he's like, "I'm going to play," and then he he sets up. This really happened to me, by the way. This actually happened to me. So he sets up in front of his kids. He puts his amp down. He's got a little Vox. I think it was called Knox or something, you know, yeah. because I couldn't use the real name. And he puts on a Les Paul and he goes to play it. And um, he starts playing Carry On My Wayward Son. And he starts with that riff, that opening riff. Yeah. Which I'll insert here. And um, then he go, um, the kids go, what are you doing, Mr. Marsh? He goes, I'm showing you guys how to play the real guitar. He go, they go, oh. Guitars are for old people. So let's go right to that. Tell me what uh, that means. Because right then it was guitars were old people instantly. And and um, uh, the guys, listen. Trey and Matt, were, were being honest. They said suddenly, because he, um, he became a grandfather recently, he says, suddenly I'm the old guy. So talk to me. What's that really mean? All right. So if we want to get into the terminology that is dad rock, uh, I'm a father, first and foremost. I'm, I'm, I'm 32 years old. I am a father. I am a father of two. Uh, I don't particularly take offense to the term dad rock, but my kids are not old enough to be like, you're uncool. Now, that being said, I can certainly see, based on the semantics of this word, how when we hear the word dad, immediately what do we think of? We think of our father. And me being 32, my father is in his 60s. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming your father is still living. No, um, he's not. He's not. Okay. He, he passed away when I was very young. Okay. Well, it's okay. Uh, it, be that as it may. Uh, the, the point is that you start thinking about these older figures, right? When you, when, when, when really what this term means is people that are our age, okay? And that is essentially – we're uncool. It's like when your kids are in the car with you and you're like getting, you know, getting down to a song that was popular a few years ago and they're looking at you you're like you're so uncool. Like you're such a dad rocker. That's where that term comes in right there. Uh 
I have never heard kids use this term. I think this is explicitly reserved for the guitar community to describe this effect. Um, now, yes, there obviously are some ageist connotations here, uh, but it, certainly uh, I think we should start restricting the use of this term, people, because there are teenage fathers out there and they could be dad rocking too. Uh, essentially, it's really to describe whether something is cool or uncool. And if you don't like it, just say, I don't like it. It's not cool. Yeah, I think that one of the things that um, is starting to happen is uh, we are we are in a period of music right now um, that is in relative flux. So one of the things that one of the things we don't think about much is so. Um, when you consider somebody a dad rocker, um, and this this came up when someone uh, had mentioned about this female singer that had this like Amy Winehouse raspy thing that she did with her voice, and a lot of people said, "I don't like it. I don't like this. I'm I'll be glad when it's over." So on and so forth. But I, that's a taste thing, and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, but those guys didn't like it. They're dad rockers." Well, and, I'm, and I'm like, well, it's, yeah, it's kind of hip. But then again, the same people are out there going, these these exact same people are out there saying, you know, and I'm talking about a whole community, not just individuals, um, yeah. who are saying, oh, bro country is terrible. Well, okay. then, so, well then that so statement is dad rock. Let's, or let's is it dad for, country? Let's stop for a minute, though, because I think <laughs> we got to be real careful about our terminology here. So if we're talking about a, a dad rocker, or somebody who enjoys dad rock. We need to define what dad rock actually is. Exactly, which might be rock, different to different people. Well, it is, but I would argue that dad rock to the general community at large right now is the music that that is not hip, it, it is not relevant outside of the community of dads or people who are older. Like, for example, uh, they've used the example of like, people like Steve Vai. He's not hip because his music doesn't sell to a large population. It's only reserved for guitar playing people. And, and, then, and then again, you think about that, the term becomes sexist because you're yeah. making the assumption that all of these people, quote, quote, are men. Men. Exactly. Because why can't it be a woman rock? Why can't it be, why can't, why can't it be mother mom rock? rock? Exactly. Why, could, why is there no mom such thing rock. as mom rock? I like it. That sounds like it goes right in there with like the light FM and pop rock <laughs> and all that. But see, then that's that's could be considered sexist because what we're doing, we can't really assign a name that has both age and sex. Um, uh, uh, if we're in a, com I, I honestly, if we're going to live in a PC community, that's the way we should be. Honestly, I don't care on on any level. What we need to do is say, okay, you know what? That isn't really a, a term we should be using. I'm know, not compatible with PC. I my mouth me runs. Either. I say things that I don't necessarily mean as hurtful towards anyone. Right. But they could be perceived that way, obviously, and so the community hates me. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. And that's the same. I, I can live with it. <laughs> I'm I'm way hated, and and I hope to play on that for a while at least. You know, the thing <laughs> is that the thing use is your strengths. <clears throat> So I've been on hip. You were you were talking in an earlier podcast about um, learning to play guitar in the year two thousand. I was thirty six, okay. And you're thirty yeah. two. Yeah, I'm thirty two. I have friends, and I could be. I am old enough to be your father, 
And not not talking about I would have been a teenage dad or a, I would have been a twenty something yeah. dad. Right, the, you would have been about my age when I became a father. So yeah, and so what? All of a sudden, it's like, you know, these are things that you know, we're we're looking at what is hip and unhip. So is it unhip to dislike certain styles of music? Like when I talk about um, Cookie Monster vocals, is that unhip <laughs> of me? Because I don't like that. Was it unhip of me? This is real, by the way. I should dig this. I, I It's going to take me a lot of looking through um, Guitar World magazines. But I wrote to Guitar World magazine after um, the lead singer of Disturbed. I remember you telling me about this. He uh, he wrote. Speaking he, of Cookie Monster. Yeah, he was, he was in an interview and he said um, that he had to have, uh, he had to take a vocal break or something like that. Because when he was singing, he sang so hard that bile from his stomach was coming up and splashing onto his vocal cords. And I said in my, um, my letter to the editor, I said, Oh, that's funny. I thought I was the only one who vomited every time he sang or I puked every time I heard his music or whatever. And I was, I was dad rocking back then. So I'm, I'm cool with it. I own dad rock. I own it. I love it. (laughs) We were just talking about, so I'm in a, I'm in a cover group. We're talking about adding music. And we're like, yeah, we got to add more 90s music to be more hip. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. You're going to be covering Alice in Chains here. Like, <laughs> it's going to be hilarious. Well, Offspring and that type of thing. But, yeah, we're, we're looking for more danceable stuff. Alice in Chains. I, 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 I could see you getting down on some Offspring, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some we're, Offspring and some Sublime. And yep, the kids ain't totally all right. You, Jim. Yep. That's totally you, Jim. Oh, my. And so this comes, uh, to the, this comes to the next thing. So I need therapy. I, I think that the people that see it and hear it are going to need therapy. That's why we're going to have the 40-something I'm going to need therapy. <laughs> the 40-something guy is going to have to sing those songs. I said, look, there is a point. And, and that's what I was getting at next. So, okay, let's take taste aside. So, okay, maybe people that don't like Amy High, the, the Amy Winehouse, the Amy Winehouse wantabees. Um, okay, maybe they're pe- the people that are like that are dad rockers. I particularly don't like that, that style of vocal. Does that make me horrible? There's plenty of female vocalists I love, but because I don't like that particularly fond of it, childlike. I must. I, I I just realized something, Jim. I'm having a crisis. Are you? I'm a dad rocker huh? because I love Tina Turner. See, see, you love Tina Turner. I love Pat Benatar. I I'm gonna co- uh-huh. go out on a yeah. on a limb here and believe it or not, I love Madonna all the way up to oh, you know. No. Hold on, hold on. I loved the Material Girl. <laughs> right up to Vogue. After that, you can keep her. When she when she <laughs> covered America's Pie, I wanted to kick her. But every, you know, the older stuff, I do, I do, I not only do I like it, I respect what she did. I love Chrissy Hind. You know, um, you know, I love Bonnie Raitt. As far yeah. as country western singers, you know, as you know, I I, I love um, uh, Judy Rodman. I love ten. Um, Amy Wynette, I love Tanya Tucker, I love Dolly Parton, and I love a lot of the new country stuff, you know? Yeah. And and I'm going to be the first one to admit, well, I kind of like bro country. I kind of like it. <laughs> well, but you have the pop leanings. Like, you have the pop in your blood, man. I do. Um, so I could kind of see, like, getting off the bro country stuff. Yeah. I've seen Brad Paisley live. I mean... Incredible. He's incredible. Oh, yes, he is. But uh, 
his stage show is what's really impressive. Like if you if you have not had the privilege to go see an eighties metal concert, like in you know eighties metal territory, or a band like uh, uh, who am I thinking of? Um, uh, the the parody guys. Um, oh what. Oh, Steel you're talking about Steel Panther. Yeah. Okay. So that's like a typical 80s metal show. If you've never gone to see that, go see Brad Paisley. Because yeah. it's the same thing. Like yep. he's got all the click track going and there's like duets with people on a screen behind him. And it, it, it's crazy. Like it, and it's good. Like he's a great guitar player. He has great tone. He's a great showman. Uh, yep. I, I killed any doubt in my mind about his guitar playing. I, I'd seen him on Austin City Limits years ago. And watched him just rip apart some Hendrix songs in, Keith, in addition to his country fair. Keith Urban. And it just did it for me. Keith Urban is the same thing. Eh, I, you know, I I've seen him live. And you know who else does a great show? If you're going to go see a show, Garth Brooks. Oh, yeah. No, for absolutely. Show. But my problem with Keith Urban is he's not, he's not for the United States. Well, like, I get it. Country's big in Australia, so they have Australian country now. But Right. It well, just kills me. You know, if it hadn't been for Keith Urban, do you think that we would have a big audience of, of country western music in Australia? I well, I, I would suspect that he was born out of some sort of like underground love for it. I, I'm um, sure of it. I'm 100% sure so, of that. Yeah, and look, it's Tommy Emmanuel from down there, too. And, yeah. You know, he's kind of in the folky territory. Oh, Tommy Emmanuel um, is in a he's in a league. All he's in a whole other like zone. But I mean, uh, I would, and, and I'm sure because he's a good guitar player, he's dad rock. That's right, because he's a he's a guitar player that, that he's not cool. He I I don't think that his hands are from earth. I think that he was no. he was either granted those hands from the Lord Himself, you know, in a in a weird way that he went to some he he sold his soul at some corner or he got them from an alien. I mean, just uh, I'll, just I'll go with divine intervention. Yeah, five hundred Jim. I I'll take divine intervention. Oh, ding. That's the correct answer. Um, so, I mean, we all get our hands from God. He just got better ones. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's just incredible. How do you play? I have a conversation when I get there. <laughs> he, can, he can sing and play like three different things. I've seen people do two. The whole Chad Atkins thing has been around a long time. But just like we talked about before, people take stuff to the next level. And it and any dad rocker that wants to sit there and say, oh, but. You're not as good as back when Jimi Hendrix was Mark, doing Mark it. Mark Knopfler did it too. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah, but know. he took it to another level. And right. and then this guy's taking it to yet another level. And so, and, and Emmanuel's doing an acoustic guitar, which is just. He's, yeah, the, the guy's a monster. If you haven't listened to him, you owe it to yourself to at least go check out uh, his video of Classical Gas on YouTube. Yes, Tommy Emmanuel. And it's he, Tommy. Yeah, we'll post the link in the group or something. Yes. Uh, and probably put in the show notes as well. Uh, yep. He's he's something else. Forced to be reckoned with. Yeah. Anyway, But yeah, don't listen to it if you don't like dad rock. Let, let me make that very clear to you. That's right. You know, the thing is that, again, we have to we have to realize that music is is a forever changing thing. Had Hendrix Hendrix was um, uncool at one time. None of this cool music that's out there. Right. Okay. So, like this underground pop punk stuff that's going on, and all these different like genres that people look at and they go, "That's culturally relevant." That we don't. That Jim and I would kind of thumb our nose at a little bit and say, "Well, where's the musicianship there?" Right. Uh, none of these guys are sitting around thinking, "I don't want to be that guitar player." 
Like right. I can't imagine these guys sitting around being like, oh, I want to be like the dude in Black Flag. Right. Like I, I, I they want to be the next level. I mean right. they do. Everyone does. We all aspire to be something. That's why they get where they're at. That's they don't right. just stumble into being a professional. Like it, they, they worked at it. Unless right. you're on American Idol and then, you know, uh, well, get it started. Yeah, so there's a – there. Um, uh, you were talking about that, Nofx, um, Black Flag, um, you know, those types of things. But they, they begot the next group and then they begot the next group and they begot the next right, group. Right, right. So now we have like – I don't know who would be the, the next group after Black Flag really. Like mm. I'm just trying to think. Maybe like Penny, Pennywise yeah. or group, groups yeah. like that. And like, yeah, I mean, you can definitely see an increase in the musicianship there. So those guys, you get something by learning somebody else's music. Absolutely. And then when you go to write your own music, you're automatically going to be better than the music that you've already absorbed. That's absolutely right. In some way. It may not be a technical way, but it may just be a song craft or whatever. And that's exactly what's going on here is that to an extent, there's always going to be a band that kind of harkens back to the stuff you liked before, but it's doing it on another level. Um, The perfect example I can think of is – Oh, go on. I'll, I'll think of it while you're talking. That's all right. So I'm going to go back to, you know, contests like The Voice and, and American Idol. So a lot of people wonder, how come they don't have that for bands? And I actually reached out to the folks from The Voice. I guess there was a there was a short-lived um, similar type reality show for bands um, that Fox put together. And um, it yeah, didn't get Yeah, I remember anywhere. that. Didn't get anywhere. Didn't. People don't want to watch a band. They want nope. to watch one performer That's right. so they can feel in touch with them. It's I, a lot harder to feel in touch with a band. And I think I've said this before, but there's one thing that that people, you know, everybody wonders how come a, a song has this repeated chorus. And always in the chorus, that's where most likely you're going to have the extra vocals in. And that's because people want to sing along with the part that they know already. That's right. That's right. And if you can, that's why riffs are great. If you can sing a riff... You can do it. You were talking about Steve Vai earlier. I, I don't think Steve Vai was ever relevant to the to the uh, group at, at at large, except for two instances. I'll I'll name two instances where he was. One was when he was in the movie Crossroads. Yeah. And another was when he was um, touring and recording with David Lee Roth. White Snake. And White Snake. There you go. But okay, and Frank Zappa. But even then. Not the community at large. Zappa was never community at large, ever. No, absolutely not. He operated under the radar on purpose. Yep. Um, I, that was always his intention. And I know I've heard people say, well, he was always trying to get out in front of everybody. I don't think so. I think he knew his audience was never going to accept him blowing up in the mainstream. Right. Like that was just not going to happen for him, and it was not something that he wanted to do. No. Um, and and honestly, that's what I was going to say. Honestly, I don't think that was ever his intention. Um, and he had a lot of strict rules on his band, you know, things like that. Well, we could talk about another podcast. Yeah, no, dr- no drugs and yeah. I mean yeah. – uh, Ted Nugent had a simpler thing. And yeah. you know who else, uh, um, surprisingly enough? Um, Lemmy. Yeah. He was okay with drinking. Believe me, he was okay with drinking. Yeah, well, most of them are. I mean, that's but drugs. Because I understand that. Yeah, but drugs. Well, well, he lost he somebody what? close to him. As a fast, Ed, fast Eddie. Part of the reason why they split originally, I think, was right. over drugs. Yep. Right. Yep. Well, it, initially, you know, he didn't care. But then I guess he lost. I, I want to say she was his girlfriend. Um, yeah. Passed yeah. away, and that was very sad. And and it was a result of drugs. And he said, 
I'm not going to have that again. I don't want people close to me. Zappa didn't like it because uh, it made people unreliable. That was yep. essentially. And, of course, he had tried marijuana. He, he publicly talked about it and said basically it just gave him a headache. Yep. So he's like it was kind of pointless anyway. Yep. Um, yeah. I, just trying to think like where we're going with this. Um, yeah, so – I yeah. intend to bring things off the rail, but they're still musical. But the, but I guess my point here is that, that um, as far as uh, uh, what we were talking about, dad rocking, is that there are people who are not in the mainstream. Oh, and no, no but, what I was trying to say was these people drive the mainstream, right. even though you're not thinking about it. Like I was trying to get at before, these people are influenced by their peers, and they may bring in some outside influence, and that's how they propagate the genre. That they're that they're involved in, but in in the case of people like Frank Zappa, I mean, look at the musicians that went through that band, and they were all part of other bands at some point that yep. went on to great success. Uh, even even uh, Steve Vai, we were just talking about White Snake, big hits in that band. David Lee Roth's band, I mean, that entire Eat 'Em and Smile record is insane, and he talks oh about gosh. it. He talks nice. about it. every single interview. That's the greatest album of the '80s, and he's not saying that. Oh well, it's it's great because I'm on it. He's saying like, no, it's good, and he's saying whether I was on it or not. Like the songs on it are good, and if you have it, if you're if you like any sort of '80s pop metal, like the big the big hair rock stuff, yeah. you'll love Eat 'Em and Smile. That, that is record a, is really good. Yeah, it's a must listen, honestly, uh, especially for those of us who are dead rockers. Oh my well, god! Well, you know, Jason back. Becker, Jason <laughs> Becker was in that band too. Yes, when, when Vi left. I yes. Mean, and and another perfect example, uh, where would be we'd be in modern rock music, modern rock guitar music, and modern guitar period without Van Halen? That's right, absolutely. And he's the quintessential like focus of dad rockers. You always get especially after he go, came out railing against Taylor Swift a year ago or whatever. Right. You you get people <clears throat> who. All right, I'm going to rail against Taylor Swift in a second, but it's not going to be the old, <laughs> the old Taylor Swift. But I'll tell you, look what look what you made me do. You made me make a dumb song. All right. So anyway, um, and I'm dad rocking right now. Don't there. blame that's, me for your problem. Oh, that is a. I think that's the point of the song. I just don't like the song. I know. My my problem is that she said, "Look what me, you made me do," as if she's addressing the audience. She's right. not addressing the audience. She's addressing a particular group of people. Right. So what she should call the song is, "What did those bastards make me do?" Right. Right. <laughs> but I, I get it. I get the point of it. You watch the video, and that's the thing. You know, it, it, we could talk about that in a minute. The video thing. Oh. Um, and uh, believe it or not, it was Dad Rockers that started that whole video thing. So remind me. Because we talked about them on our first podcast, and I'm going to get to them. But anyway, so the the thing that that um, oh, you know what we we get an E rating anyway, so fuck this. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to throw uh, that out there. Fuck, son of a bitch. <laughs> so all right, if your mom is listening right now, make sure you turn this down. Shit. All right. So um, anyway, oh, oh. <laughs> these these are terrible words. We're going yeah. to, we're going straight to heck. Um, so the the <laughs> the thing I was saying about Steve Vai is, you know, he whenever you see an interview with him and he talks about his live performances, he will hearken back to what David Lee Roth taught him. Yeah, you know the things about being on stage and being, you know, um, uh, because David Lee Roth didn't want to be the center of all attention. It's how he. I saw them in 1986. 
I want to say it was 86. It might have been 87, folks, but it was. I want to say it was 86. At the Norfolk Scope, David Lee Roth comes, and I don't even. I don't even know who the opening band is. That's how good this was. Usually, people are like, "Oh yeah, the opening band kicked their asses." Not in this case. He came out. He did his thing. He had. He had um, Vi and uh, Sheehan. Uh huh. I mean, Sheehan's oh. incredible. Oh my Man, god, I like it. Uh, you know, and that's another one. Oh, what a dead rocker! I've heard that said about Sheehan so many times. I saw Mr. Big recently, yep. and I got to tell you, they destroyed that oh. show. Oh yeah, they're incredible. So he and Sheehan are up there doing their thing, which I I feel honored having been able to see that back in those days, and. Yeah. So um, back before YouTube and everything else. <clears throat> so anyway, he he disappears from the stage. These guys are holding it up. I don't know if it was Yankee Rose or whatever it was. Yeah. He comes Shy out, boy or something. Yep. He comes out with an acoustic guitar and he goes, a lot of you don't know this, but that was me on this song. And he starts playing the intro. It was Ice Cream Man from, uh, you remember Ice Cream Man from Van Halen? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was him on the acoustic guitar. And he played it. He played it perfectly and um so then he disappears again during what was the song you mentioned side boy it's shy boy shy yeah. boy shy boy that's right shy boy he disappears again he comes out he's in the middle of the audience yeah he yeah. got into the middle of the audience unnoticed david lee roth did. those guys were so uh captivating to there's youtube videos 10, of these shows people. check them out because they're like they're like nothing you've ever seen before incredible incredible yeah and I, I tip my hat to David Lee Roth because Eddie Van Halen, if anybody should piss off the guitar community as a whole for some of the crap he said, it's Eddie Van Halen. Oh, because yeah. Because he asked us to listen to that song that had the lead singer from Extreme on it. And I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Gary Sharon. <laughs> come on. Come on, Eddie. He's a, I remember the interviews. Um, I, I can pull them out and I can post them. Um, on our we podcast. thought we had the best singer with David Lee Roth, and then we got uh, uh, Sammy Hagar, and he is the best on earth. Yep. But now we have Gary Sharon. Gary Sharon <laughs> lasted one album. It uh, was Gary Sharon's a great singer. Oh yeah, Extreme is a great band, but not with Van not Halen. Not with Van Halen. <laughs> Sometimes great does not mean that you can you can put it into co every context. There's a was... reason that Gary Sharon is not on the Van Halen greatest hits. That's okay? right. <laughs> And he's not on, yeah, he's not on any of the compilations, and you'd probably be hard pressed to find a copy of that album. <laughs> it was a Van Halen, that's not Van Halen, uh, what they call it. Um, that was awful. Let's just say like that Van Halen see, 7 or something. See, yeah, know. that was how forgettable and terrible it was. For me, believe it or not, now I'm dad rocking hard. Van Halen ended for me at Women and Children First. <laughs> When 19, what was it, 1984 came out, yes, I, I'll be the first one to admit, when that, you know, that... Have you got the pop music like, in your blood, you know? Uh, that whole record, you know, Top Jimmy and stuff, yeah. Yep, yep, that was, you know, but I was like, oh, I know it's dead now, and sure enough, OU812 and everything else, yeah. and I love Sammy, I love Sammy. Yeah, but you know, not with Van Halen. <laughs> no, not with Van Halen, and he... And, you know, nobody got pissed off when, when Eddie Van Halen said, you know what, Michael Anthony is a suck-ass bass player. Wait a minute. I did. Wait a minute. I did. What? What? He he was your bass player for almost 30 years or over 30 he years. Wrote many of the hits. 
And then you booted him to the street because you wanted to bring your son with you? Shut up. I mean, come on. Really? Really? I mean. But his son doesn't have any career choices, so. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm Eddie Van Halen's son. I got oh, okay. I got I to help him. You know, it's like. Yep. I, I'm sure he's out there going, no, dad, don't drink that. Don't smoke that. There's one, there's one good. Yeah. Don't get any more cancer. Yeah. Uh, but, wow. That was really <laughs> That's terrible. terrible. It is terrible. Uh yeah, but no. So he did have one good contribution to the guitar community. He did yeah. help teach Diesel Zappa how to play. So he did, he did. So. But you know, I mean, I, all I'm saying is, yeah, he might be a better. This is the thing. Again, you get into context. He might be a better, more adept bass player than Michael Anthony, but he's not Michael Anthony. And Michael Anthony worked in Van Halen. Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I doubt that he's a better bass player than Michael Anthony. And the and the other thing is that the community, there was a whole community of people that got ticked off when um, uh, Sammy Hagar came out and said, well, um, you know, the reason that uh, Michael Anthony did what he did, the simplistic bass lines he does, did, um, because he does a lot of different stuff. You've heard Chicken Foot. Um, yeah, yeah. The reason he was doing it that way was because Eddie was over here playing whatever, and he was like, I can't appreciate to that. So I'm just going to thump, 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 because otherwise. He had a real problem. Now, this is what people need to understand. If you're not a musician or if you don't follow Van Halen, you don't listen to a lot of it. Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen himself, has terrible rhythm. He has terrible, terrible timing. If you listen to where he comes in on some of the solos and stuff, and even though it's overdubbed, it's yeah. still off. And you'll hear just like that first note will be off a little bit. And the reason why I bring this up is because that's what – Michael Anthony was forced to deal with is okay. So I got to hold down the rhythm because he can't exactly. I was going to say there were a lot of times when I hear those solos and I'd hear them start to go and I'm like, what? Okay. I'll give you a, a, an example. It's not even a Van Halen song. Beat it. Yeah. The solo is incredible, but it, I, I, the timing's all over the place. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, Luke later, did the uh, did the rhythm part for that? That was so. Lukather, yeah. That was yeah. Lukather. I think we mentioned yeah. that before. But anyway, so um, going back to Dad Rockin', I mean, it's a prime example. Um, and now, everything I've said, Van Halen is still one of my favorite bands. And if it wasn't for Eddie Van Halen, I never would have bought an electric guitar. I, that's the truth. I, well, maybe when Pink Floyd hit a couple years later with another brick in the wall or the well, the wall well, album, but. So, how how long how long have we been going? What's no, it, how long are we? Here? We're only at thirty minutes, so we're good. All right, cool. So we got plenty of time. Uh, I was gonna bring this up. Yeah. Uh, so for everybody out there who is concerned, and maybe this is a good bookend for the podcast, but we'll we'll start it now. Uh, who's concerned about oh, or listening to this and going, you guys are a bunch of dad rockers. Like the reality is, I I want to remind you of something. All of the music you hold sacred right now. All of the things that you do right now in the music community at some point will be looked at as dad rock. So just keep that in mind. Everything ages. Everything changes. That's and right. When it does. You're in trouble. I'll never so, forget. Uh, you're not You're not going to be that 50-year-old guy trying to be a, the hipster. That's right. I will never forget the first time I played 666 Number of the Beast live. We got <laughs> – People looked at us like we were nuts. What is that crap is what we got. 
Yeah. Now, maybe it was because we played it crappy. Who knows? I'm looking back 30 years. <laughs> Over We've 30 years. That moment. <laughs> that's like 34 years ago now, 35 yeah. years ago. Um, was it 1980 or 81? My point is that that was before I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about Judas Priest, uh, you know, um, excuse me, screaming for vengeance. When I got mm-hmm. on that stage and I shouted out screaming for vengeance and I, I sang, you've got another thing coming or yeah. I sang blackout by the scorpions. Um, right. You know, the community at large was like, no, 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 that's, that's not, you're supposed to be like Hendrix. They were doing it even back then. And that was, but you're not supposed to cut. Co- and then the other thing is you're not supposed to cover currently popular music. Like yeah. <laughs> it's really a challenge because the audience will rip you apart. But I see, know people popular. think, like, oh yeah, I could play what's on the radio right now. You do that, and if you're not good at it, if you're not perfect at it, you're going to get ripped apart because everybody knows what that sounds like on the radio right now. We are actually looking at covering "Turn Down for What." Turn down for uh, what? Oh my god! We're just we're just going to sequence oh. it. We're just going to sequence I, the whole I'm thing. I'm going to walk up to your mixer and I'm going to turn you down for what? <laughs> turn down for what? We're just going to let it go boom. A bass player is just going to sit there and go boom. He's going to turn on his uh, his his uh, a low octave and. <laughs> no, but you think I'm kidding? We're 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 serious. I know. I absolutely know you're serious. You you got to You got to do it. And the thing is that you know, being a cover musician, you do that. But and exactly what you're saying when. I was singing um, and playing, uh, you know, you, the songs from You Can Tune a Piano But You Can't Tune a Fish from REO Speedwagon and Low Infidelity, right, right. Um, from Foreigner 4 and, and um, you know, uh, uh, well, the Foreigner album, Eddie, uh, the Van Halen 1 album from uh, uh, Blackout by the Scorpions, like I said, from right. 666 Number of the Beast, from Rush's, uh, um, you know, Farewell to Kings. Uh, 2112 and of course um, 2112 probably yep and of course uh, uh, moving pictures all of a sudden we were the new music my father was like turn that shit down yeah Yeah. and my father was only geez I was 17 so he was only 36 but point is you know he grew up on Johnny Cash and if it didn't go and root fifth root fifth yeah (laughs) And, and if it wasn't for my uncle, who was younger, if it wasn't Hendrix and, and uh, that type of thing, well, then you weren't cool either. It wasn't Clapton, who was still putting out albums and people were still praising him. And I was still thinking, why are they praising this? This guy is awful. So um, is he. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, the, the fact of the matter is because, I mean, let's face it, the stuff he put out at that time was not that good. He had already put out his good stuff. That was done with you know, Bravo and all those guys, you know, yeah. So, um, my point is that, that every song becomes dad rock at some point. What, you know, that song, 1985 bowling for soup is Mm -hmm. now dad rock music. And that only came out 12 years ago, right. Or 15 years ago. Right. I think it came out in 2005. Right. And it was like when Springsteen, Madonna way before, or uh, Springsteen, something way before Madonna, there was, you two and Blondie and music still on MTV. You know, mm-hmm. what he's talking about is he's he's already talking about the people who are dad rocking back then. And the thing mm-hmm. is that that so let's talk about that. We've got we've got twenty five minutes and we're gonna bookend this anyway. Video. Video killed the radio star. First song on MTV. 
in August of 1981? Well, 80? Uh, yeah, I want to say 79. August. No, I don't think it was 79. I can Google that real quick. Yeah, you should. Um, before you get into that, I want to talk about the prototype right before that happened. So a lot of people maybe not familiar with the scene because a lot of this was going on in the underground. Right around the time that MTV started was when Stadium Rock, meaning like bands like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, all these other huge acts were getting uh, basically trampled by bands like The Clash yeah. and all these like local underground punk groups. Um, and back at that time, you know, we didn't have the World Wide Web uh, or the Internet, as we call it today. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have any of the things that had mass media. So bands were mostly a local thing right. unless they were really big. And these stadium acts like Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin uh, were the first ones to really start doing that stuff. And there were all these underground punk acts that were like, look at these dinosaurs. Right. They're so big and cumbersome. We'll just destroy them. And they were the they were the reaction and 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 a. And a an inevitable reaction right. to the stadium rockers. And David Gilmore even said, look at us now. We're the old guys, you know, and he's talking about after dark side of the moon, he said, suddenly I'm in my thirties. I'm old, right. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so the reason why I bring this up is because this is the precursor to what goes on with MTV. Okay. People who maybe in 1970, or I was say, 79, you're you're 16 years old. You're going to high school. Who are you listening to? You listen to Led Zeppelin, okay? Now, let's take this back a little bit. And we'll say, when did Jimmy Page become popular? He was about 18 when he was in the Yardbirds. Yeah. And so put that in perspective. Yardbirds, like 1968, yep. all the way up to Led Zeppelin in 1979. You're 16 years old and you're still listening to Led Zeppelin. Absolutely. So he's in his 40s. Absolutely. Right? Yep. So at that point... You know, that's when things become a little precarious. Now, these days, they got guys in their 40s who look like they're in their 20s right. playing playing this stuff. Right. And that's because they need the musicianship to get these guys to play what's written for them, number one, if you're a pop act. Yep. And number two is they have to be able to identify with the younger audience. Absolutely. And so they kind of pull the wool over the eyes. They put the caked up makeup on there. But that all comes because of MTV. That's right. That's why bands like Led Zeppelin and stuff started to fail. It wasn't just because of this punk music. It was – and of course in their situation is different because they obviously had death in the group. Right. But other groups at that time, they couldn't hold up on MTV. No. Very few of them did. When you – OK. So MTV broke. I was right. It was it was August um, 1st like of 20 okay. – or 1981. So, oh, 81. Yeah, it was All pretty right. late. So Video Killed the Radio Star, first one. What was the second act? Uh, that I don't know. Pat Benatar. I do. Yeah. Okay. It makes time. sense. Yeah. I did know that, but it just like escaped me. Yep. So a lot of people, you know, it's like, okay, but that's just it. Who was second? Ooh. Yeah. Video killed the radio star was one hit, at, uh, one hit wonder. Pat yeah. Benatar continued on. So, um, I'm going to give you a little interesting piece of information. So there was a, um, uh, in the beginning with the exception or well, most most like it was just bands miming music which had been going on by the way so since the 60s what had happened was it was expensive to go overseas and plug your music right right if you're an american band or you're a european band especially europeans or australians that's what highway to hell is all about is acdc coming over here they're not like america sucks they were like oh my god we got to drive so far just get from place to place that's like a yeah. highway to hell you know it's just oh yeah. it's so 
Well, that, their tour van situation was not the best. Exactly. Because <laughs> here's, this, here's this poor band from Australia. I think this was on the um, uh, If yeah, You Want they Blood. They no. didn't hit it until Back in Black. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, they – well, okay. So, yeah, Highway to Hell was written after they came over and they had done um, – uh, the, the uh, live album was uh, If You Want Blood. And right. so, which is a great one too, by the way. That's right. It's a great live album for um, those of you who want to find out what Dad Rock is really all about. Is uh, and a real live album because that's not an overdone yeah. album. Not like Kiss or their stuff. Which don't get me wrong, love Kiss. Kiss Alive was the reason Kiss exists today. Is because Kiss well, Alive. Is it because it, Kiss Alive is the one where they did with the track, right? They yep. actually recorded it in the studio and then that's they right. threw uh, and a then track they threw, over it. Yep, yep. They uh, that was the one that was. Uh, and Kiss Alive 2 was was all tracked as well. The only thing um, Peter Chris was saying, the only thing that wasn't tracked was the drums because um, there's so much bleed. Um, the drum track <laughs> is the only one that couldn't be. That was the one that had all the screaming and yelling and stuff like that. And and anyway, um, yeah, those were totally fake live albums, which set us up for totally fake live albums in the future that everybody thinks is are live albums. And yeah, not, yeah. And haven't been for years. Um, but anyway, it, that that's not important, honestly. What's important is, um, so the videos were already around, you know, free recorded a video for, you know, um, all right now. And they called them promotional materials, right? They were just promo things. So MTV was able to get a bunch of these promo videos and that's what they used. So, um, there's a, there's a famous one of ACDC going through, uh, um, they're, they're like on the back of a wagon and they're playing um and it's the one with the uh, with the bagpipes and i can hear the song in my head i can't remember the name of the song Thunderstruck. no oh this is this is bon scott era he's he actually was playing the bagpipes oh okay and um so anyway i think it's a lot yeah a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll yeah yeah that's right and the, it, there's also famously um a video where people will believe this. They're like, oh, look, Angus was playing left-handed. No, the video is swapped. Reversed. <laughs> You're looking at it wrong um, because somebody took a, the, the beginning, they took a video camera and videoed the video, which meant that that was swapped because back then you couldn't swap your video back. So they just posted it the way it was, and that's how that came about. Yeah, everybody will know. Yeah, but uh, you've always got people that are going to believe, oh, yeah, he played it <laughs> left-handed. Oh, my God. People, come on. What is it that you're willing to believe on Facebook? Please, please. The Russians would not have been able to set the, <laughs> the whole thing up if people wouldn't just well, would stop believing stupid crap. The one strange myth that people <laughs> don't propagate that actually is true is, is Jimi Hendrix was ambidextrous. Yes, he was. And he would find him playing right and left handed. Yeah, that was actually it's true. Not reversed video. Nope. When you see all the other guys in the video are right handed. Right. right. <laughs> or left handed. And exactly. he's right handed. <laughs> yeah. And you see you see uh what's his name's drums turned around. Yeah, that yeah. was that was obvious. Um that would have been obvious. But they're all the right way, which means that obviously Hendrix was playing right. Well, either that or everybody went switch hit and I don't think that yeah, was gonna happen. Yeah, I don't think that, that's gonna happen. <laughs> I tried that once. Have you ever tried that? Uh, I'm not going there. <laughs> but what I was getting at is videos made bands different. We always had the pop scene. We always had the pretty boys. I mean, David Cassidy, Sean Cassidy, um, yeah. you know, Luke, Leif, Leif Garrett. Um, yeah, he's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. 
um, if these guys, I mean, I can go back yeah. even further. Elvis Presley, by the way. True. Yeah, true. Elvis Presley was blonde. He was a natural blonde. That was Claire all number something. Yeah. Um, that was I actually, heard that. yep, that was true. So why, what I'm getting at here is that the, the pretty boy thing took to the next level. MTV took it to the next level. And the band 10CC that did the song, I'm Not In Love, did the song, The Things We Do For Love. Those were their two big hits in the States. Pop band. Um, and if you listen to our first podcast, you'll hear a piece. Yeah, of we yeah, we threw it in there. Yep. Um, for a different reason. The rhythm section of that band, the bass player and the drummer, became directors and producers of MTV videos. And they were the first ones to decide, you know what? Videos don't have to be videos. We will create little mini movies around the um, song. And that's where that came from. And that began with Duran Duran. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's just something that it went from, okay, we can just turn the TV on and you could actually just, you know, listen. Well, to the I mean, the genesis, of, the genesis of having a movie idea, short movie, really goes back probably even further than that to things like Beatles, Yellow Submarine. Yeah. And even uh, to a lesser extent, Led Zeppelin's song remains the same, yep. which had the little clips in the middle of it. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a new concept. I, the, I actually, if you really want to go crazy, it goes all the way back to opera. Well, so yeah, and it and it does go back to Broadway, and it does go back to um. Let's face it, Elvis did it. Yeah, ton of movies. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that they brought it to that big mainstream. And when I say big mainstream, sure. I'm talking about the kids. When the videos became bigger than the song, right? And, that, and that's exactly what MTV did to this. Okay, it made the video and their personal image. More important than the song. That's how you had New Wave happen. Right. Okay. Right. New Wave was built on the back of MTV. Yep. Not on the sound, but on the back of MTV because those people, if you look at their image, yep. they are 95% image, 5% actual skill. Look at Devo. Let's look at Devo for a minute. Perfect example. That's New Wave in a nutshell. I mean, it, whip it. You know, before that, nobody knew who Devo was. I mean, there were people, I was one of their fans, one of their early fans back in, we yeah. are not men, we are Devo and I can't get no satisfaction, you know? Right. Um, but now you've got, I mean, all of a sudden whip it and it's like, whip it good, you know? And everybody's like, oh, whip it means this, whip it means that, you know, so on and so forth. But if that video hadn't come out, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to talk about it today. If, right. if Michael Jackson hadn't recorded Thriller and made a production out of it. How long was that video? Like nine minutes? Or yeah, minutes? that album wouldn't have been as big as it was. Right. But I will say this. Michael Jackson would have made that thing big anyway. Oh, don't get me wrong. He was already making it big. I'm yeah, just but saying that. But, that, that. Re but I'm just saying that, re that record in particular is so damn good. Even if they hadn't done the Thriller video, it still would have sold 10 million copies. It set the bar. All of a sudden, yes. the video bar was up here. It was mm -hmm. way up here. Um, and so if you, if you look at what it is, what, what I'm saying is though, videos changed the way we heard music. Now we suddenly saw Yeah, because music. it wasn't just hearing it. Right. It was, it was now a, a personal image thing, a visual thing. That's right. I, I keep saying personal image because I keep coming back to this idea that we have to identify with the way these people look. Now right. I, growing up we, we uh, in these local bands and stuff that I played in. 
um, <laughs> we always had this whole thing, like, if you want to see real music, you watch PBS and watch the ugly people on Sundays at 5 o'clock. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Daniels told me, he said, if I had to make it to, in today's country, I would never. Oh, yeah, be he'd be screwed. I wouldn't even get past a screening process. Let's talk, well, let's talk about some other examples of that. Look at Meatloaf. Oh, good Lord, yeah. No, I would have never touched him. They would have never touched him. They nope. didn't want to touch him, given the state of who he was back then. It took somebody like Paul, uh, no, Todd, Todd Rundgren yes. to finally see, after a year of shopping the demos around yep. of just him and piano, like playing in front of executives. It took a year, even yep. with all that skill and ability and talent and the songwriting that Jim Steinman brought to the table. That's right. They had to find somebody like Todd Rundgren who was like, so you guys want to make like a, like a, like a musical? Like, yeah, I can do that. Like, yeah, I could it, do it wasn't that hard to figure out. I mean, mode. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you you look at yeah Jim Steinman, who is I mean total eclipse of the heart. What a legend, I could do anything, for, you know. I would do anything for the heart. Obviously, bad out of hell. Um, what a legendary musician. Oh yeah. Oh, it's not even that is that's just scratching the surface. Oh, if you if you I go know. and look I, at some of the stuff he's done, uh, he's written songs for um, uh, who's the Canadian the Canadian woman who did the the Titanic song. He oh yeah, Celine Dion. Her, yeah, Celine like, Dion. Yeah, yeah Celine, Dion. Celine Like there are tons Celine? of artists like that, and it's yeah. it's just ridiculous because he knows how to write for that kind of voice, which is what it boils down to. But um, did you know she wasn't going to do that song? There, a little be a piece of trivia. Hey, folks, when you turn into this, you're gonna get you tune into this, you get the trivia. She actually didn't <laughs> want to do it. They said, please. She said, okay, let me run through it once. She ran through it once. That is the one you hear. That is the take you hear one yeah. time. One time in the studio, that is how incredible a vocalist She's she my is. My generation's Barbara Streisand. Oh, good lord! Yeah, Je Barbara Streisand. I mean, I, okay, so I am a Par uh, South Park fan, but and I don't mind that they trash on Barbara Streisand, but that woman was just a, an angel, a voice yeah, of an skill angel. Skill and ability level is like way beyond normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is not something you learn. This is something you're born with. Absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yep, so. uh, and she refused, I guess, because she has a rather large nose. I don't think that, but I guess there were a lot of people saying that. Anyway, um, she said, I'll never get it worked on because it is part of my voice, and I can't I can't have that. That's and the opposite, of course, is Michael Jackson, who had his nose altered to help him sing. Yep. So. I just heard the other day from a musician um, on another podcast that he talked, you know how, like, you'd see these interviews, and he'd be like, Oh, I'm I'm going to be going. Uh, that apparently, when you talk to him like normally, and you know, in his house, talk like you and me. He was like this, you know, down here. But that my that, that Michael talked that way. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that, and you know, I think some of it's because he was very careful about trying to strain his voice. Yep. I I think people don't because I mean he was, he's one of these guys that, like everything he did from the time he was like four years old oh, to the yeah. time that he was you know basically dying as a as right, you know, right. being addicted to to medication 50 years old yep um he so lived to perform he lived to perform even when he, he wasn't performing he that's lived right. to perform and so he would i'm i'm absolutely certain that that's probably a true story that he would talk like that because he did not want to strain his voice especially yep. given our interview with judy um yep. and some of the discussions she had you absolutely know he was aware of that absolutely um, you know he's a um First of all, Michael Jackson. Anybody that thinks that we we don't like Michael Jackson, you know, I absolutely adore uh, him. 
He's, he was incredible. He was incredible. You know, the riffs he created, whether you want to look at Beat It, you want to look at, you know. Uh, Not just the guitar Trevor, community, but about, like. No, I'm talking about the, the riff. song craft, man. Boom, 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 boom. boom yeah, boom, man. Boom, boom, boom. You know, you cannot I'm get that out of your head. right now. I'm you, like, yeah. An, he created earwigs that people could not get out of their heads. And, and some of the music is a way more complicated than you think, too, when you analyze it. Oh, once you start having to play it, you go, oh, no wonder uh-huh. he had to have Orianthi. He didn't just pick some guy down the street. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, that that was um, just incredible. He had another, oh, who was the guitarist? Jen? Jennifer Batten. Jennifer Batten, thank you. Uh, I, I knew it was Jennifer, and I couldn't remember her last name, see. but yeah. Uh, he had, um, oh. and if you want Gary to check Ho- out Gary Hoey at one point too, I Gary thought. Hoey, if you want to check out a female guitarist that will blow your mind, Jennifer Batten. Oh wow. yeah, man. Oh, dad rock. Yep. Mom rock. Yep. Whatever. She's mom rocking. She is, she is incredible, incredible yep. musician, an incredible individual. You watch, you watch interviews with her and you just go, wow. I wish she was. I wish a I could tap like that. Holy yep. Crap. Oh, she was incredible. Just the way she can tap the guitar and the way she can play. And, a... and, and her commitment to – this is the thing. I, I heard an interview with her just recently, so I'm going to bring this up. Mm-hmm. Her commitment to technology, yes. new gear, uh, driving the state of the instrument forward. I mean she's yeah. using that, that blue thing, the little it's, – it's a pedal, oh, but it's yeah. an amp. But it's an amp. It's, it's blue uh, – some... oh, shoot. We'll have, to, we'll have to link that. Yeah, it's a 50-watt Class D – uh, yep. tube. I don't think it's class D cause it's tube. Right. It, it, it is a tube preamp pedal essentially that has a 50 watt power amp in it. Yep. And, uh, she's got, she got, I think she, that was a, a no guitar safe interview. I believe she gave one to yep. Jude Gold. Jude Gold. Yep. Yep. Jude Gold. Another great, great guitar player. Oh my gosh. Yep. And he's dad rocking too. He he's is playing, I mean, uh, he's playing some Jefferson Starship. He plays he is in Jefferson Starship. That's right. And he plays a Grateful Dead tribute with a, yeah. or he used to at least, um, Jerry Garcia band um, a tribute thing. I can't remember what it's called, but it was J.B. In my opinion, J. He should be doing John Mayer's job, in my opinion. But I'm oh, not, I'm not gonna... oh, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. He should be. They, had, they um, just wanted to get some butts. It's okay. They wanted some butts in the seats. It's funny. There's a guy that when he comes home, it's like, hey, can you come out and play Eddie Van Halen all night? Yeah, sure. Let me just bring my Helix over here and plug yeah, in. Yeah, we'll just tweak <laughs> in a couple settings and we're ready to rock and roll. It's cool. Oh, my God. Incredible guitar player. You know. Yeah. No uh, guitar is safe. I'm plugging the podcast for him. That's right. No guitar is safe podcast. Check it out. It's definitely worth your time. Um, Yeah. So what we've got, though, is we've got – um. A world of musicians. We've been talking about Dad Rock this whole time. We've stayed on on topic. Even MTV got old. Now MTV is reality shows. And VH1 was, in the beginning, MTV became whatever. And then there was MTV2 because the reality shows filled up MTV. And they said, I remember um, a thing where um, this couple brought in a a song and they said, well, it's a little, it's a little old for us. Maybe you want to go down and check out VH1. So VH1 became dad rock and CMT for a while. Country music television came and went and I, and music videos are now where? They're nowhere. Yeah. YouTube. YouTube. (laughs) They're YouTube. I don't ever, but the thing is now that they're on YouTube, they're on demand. Who the hell looks for them? That's right. 
What does the fox say? I'm not looking for any damn music <laughs> video. Like the last music video I watched is probably Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. I just watched. Who, what does the fox say? Did Actually, I say Gangnam Style? No, it's Gangnam Style. What, gang, what is gang, wrong with me? Gangnam. Gangnam. I can't say that. Genghis Khan. Yeah, it's Gangnam Style. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I just watched. What does the fox say? I only learned about that song last year. You know, I didn't even know it existed. Seven hundred plus thousand views, almost a billion views. On what does the fox say? And then he's got another one about tying a knot that I thought was hilarious. And we're looking at possibly covering that. The point is that, you know, when you're when you're playing this music and you're talking about people and you're don't throw people. My thing was this. So I looked at all these comments that people made and these were indie rockers. They were jazz rockers. They were blues rockers. They were country musicians. They were everybody. They weren't dad rockers that was the thing that got to me we used a we used a um uh, a name that identified a certain type of rocker which i own i own dad rocking i will be a dad rocker to the end but we can't just use that without looking at everything and saying, okay, you know what? It's just a bunch of people that don't like her voice. I like her voice. You don't like her voice. And we can disagree. I guarantee you there were some young people that were also chiming in on that particular. I read 125 comments. Yes. A lot of young people, a lot of 20 somethings, a lot of 30 somethings, a lot of 40 somethings. And yes, a lot of old people like me in their fifties. Hey, who'd have thought we have keyboard warriors on the internet. I know. Right. (laughs) And and then there, uh, of course, the, the inevitable ba- inevitable backlash of oh, so good. It's just like when we talk about and we should do on our next podcast. We should really talk about her. Is Saint Vincent? What's her name? Annie. Annie Clark. Clark. Thank you, Annie Clark. I, I I will give a preview for that. I really like her music. Yep. And I will give a preview. I like her music. I don't think she's a guitar god. In any way, shape, or form, I would probably take the Bonamassa side of that. But then again, listening to a I recent, can't wait till we talk about it. <laughs> a recent interview with her when she said, "I love using the f word." What's the song? She oh, and I love the song by the way. Um, New York isn't New York without you. I think it's just called New York. Yeah. Or New York City. Yeah. And she's talking about walking through the street and stuff. She uses the word "fuck" like forty times in that song. And she said, "That's the way it is." I heard her do it on TV, and she and she was right. If you can't use the word fucking it, don't do the song. It doesn't have the impact. She was absolutely right with that word. Um, but she, she's an incredibly talented artist. I can't wait till we talk about her. Um, big I fan. I can't either. I, the truth of the matter is that I love her songs. I really do. I think she's, she's an incredibly, incredibly talented musician. She is an awesome songwriter. She knows how to write a hit. She knows right out uh, she knows how to write an earwig. Uh, I just want to. I just want to let you in on something. Go. She's a graduate of Berkeley College of Music. Wow. I'm not surprised. So, I'm not and, surprised. And she majored in guitar, I believe. I, I'm not so, surprised at all. As as much as you're like, I don't think she's a good guitar player. No, no. I, okay. I think it's all an act, my friend. <laughs> all right. No wait. No wait. Before we go, let's talk about one more dad rocker, Steve Stevens. So Steve Stevens is this guy that goes all up and down the neck. Steve Stevens was was whose guitar player? Billy, Billy Idol. Idol. That's right. Among others. Among others. That's right. Among others. But Billy Idol. He's also that lead guitar and that that um, piece you hear in uh, 
um, the da 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 in um, Top Gun. Top Gun. Thank you. He's he's Top Gun. He Billy Idol was looking for somebody. He sent in his tape. Billy Idol said, "I can't use him. He's too good. I'm punk yep. rock." And the guy said, "No, you bring in somebody that can play better." I and let them play down. That's right. And let them play dumb. I, not dumb, down. Because Oh, dumb. That's fine. Now, no, that was a slip because I, I heard and and I'm old and I call my sons the wrong names too. Um <laughs> Yeah. It's all the time. I'm like, hey and and I just go, Joe, Peter, you Paul, Mary, rocker. I'll get you I'll get it right once of these days. You know, and then I call him Judas. I always finish with <laughs> Judas. Whenever I get it done, I'm like, blah, 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 Judas. <laughs> so they know the joke. You're the reason for teen suicide. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, my my point here is that uh, he played down because they said, how's a guy like him going to make a mistake on stage? He's not. And back then, you couldn't. Yep. And I see Annie, and I look at what she's Billy done. Billy Idol is bigger than any punk band had ever been because That's of That's right. That's right. And he brought pop punk to what it became. Seriously. I mean, yeah, he he did step on the yes, shoulders the of another Ramones were critical too. That's right. But... We got the Ramones, we got the Romantics, we got the But if it wasn't for Billy Idol, would we really 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 have the popularity? I'm not talking about that he influenced them, but would um uh oh, what's the name of them? I don't think punk would have gotten as dark either. I don't think the Misfits no. would have been as successful in the early 90s when exactly. like Static Age and stuff came out. Like all of those things are are very cruxed upon the Clash and Billy Idol, but mostly Billy Idol. That's right. And and Green Day was who I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and all the bands that came after Blink One Eighty Two and Weezer. Weezer Three Eleven. Yeah. Well, Three Eleven's really not pop punk, but yeah, some some kind of kind of Offspring. Yeah, Offspring definitely. You know, there. I mean, but again, we get to where, um, and we're at our hour, so we're gonna say goodbye, but. The point is, people, you know, you want to, you want to grab uh, uh, somebody and call them a dad rocker. Remember that you're going to be the dad rocker next. You're going to be the one that's standing there um, and mom rocking. And we want, we don't want to leave that out. We, you know, what we should do. Let's do a podcast on female guitarists. Nothing. We don't get to talk about anything but female guitar players. Yeah, I'm, I'm for it because uh, I, I do want to do some research because I want to get some facts. That's right. Me too. But yeah, no, I'm all for it because there's a, uh, I think that's a, a big burgeoning new guitar market. And I think I did Andy Clark's signature model right there. It says that like oh. people are interested. So um, she is, she is incredible. And that guitar is incredible. I played it. I have to. Um, so yeah, it's my man boobs. Yeah. I mean, it fits my man boobs just fine. And it, it, and at 50 something years old, I own them too. I bought and paid for these things. Oh you know? man, <laughs> it was years and years of of uh, of um, development, but um, so we're gonna say goodbye for today. We want to remind you about our string challenge, Dave. You want to go into that real quick? Yep, we're doing a string challenge. We've got four different brands of strings. I'm not gonna go into what they are right now. Uh, we're gonna shoot them out. Hopefully, at the end of November, you'll get your first round of clips. Yep. Uh, we're gonna try to put together a contest based on this, and there'll be more details in the group and probably in the next podcast. That's right. And uh, we also want to make sure that you guys um, tune in, that you please, please leave your comments. Negative, positive, we don't care. Same with iTunes. Oh, Put and leave comments. us an iTunes review. And uh, yeah, if Doesn't you could, matter. Just take, 
take two minutes, give us five stars, give us one star, give us a little bit of blurb. It helps people find us. So that's right. It's just to help people find us. We don't, we, we're not begging you for, you know, a whole bunch of words and we're not begging you for if a you five hate star. Us, it's fine. It's Go okay. Ahead. We could be hated. That's right. We want to. I'm old. Old people like to be hated. I want you to get off my lawn and let me at peace. Stop playing your loud music around me. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So with that said, That's it. thanks everybody. Good night. night. Good evening. Mm. <laughs>